Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. This week we're in Advent, and we have a very special program for you here on the Beeson Podcast. Advent is a word that comes from the Latin meaning something is coming. It is a time when Christians all around the world pause, meditate, and prepare to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ into our history and into our lives. And we have a great speaker today, Bishop William H. Willimon, one of the most respected spokespersons for the Christian faith uh, in North America today. He's a bishop of the United Methodist Church in the North Alabama Conference. He's been a pastor. And the sermon we're going to listen to by Bishop Willimon today was originally preached in the chapel of Duke University when he was the chaplain of that great institution. It's a sermon that really gets at the heart of what the Christian faith is all about and what Advent celebrates. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Bishop Willem is going to talk to us about the Incarnation, what it means to acknowledge and celebrate that God has become flesh in human history and in our own human story. So let's go now to the chapel of Duke University, Bishop William H. Willimon, a sermon of Advent on the Incarnation. I owe one of you an apology. Last Sunday at the close of the service, you emerged... So I was greeting people at the door, and you quite innocently, with the best of intentions, you said to me at the door, Happy Holiday Preacher. And I grabbed you by the throat, I slammed you against the wall, and I said, Oh, live a little. This is church. The ACLU can't touch you here. Go ahead, live dangerously. Wish me a Merry Christmas, darn it. I said it in love, but you seem to take it the wrong way. Every year at this time, you get these happy holidays or season's greetings. And and I want to know, what holiday are you referring to? By chance, the Feast of the Incarnation? What what season? Do you mean that season when Christians focus upon the nativity of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world, God in the flesh? I want the world to know that Christians, we don't believe in peace and joy and these other vague abstractions the world seems so in love with this time of the year. We wouldn't cross the street. We wouldn't raise a glass of eggnog to toast such holiday hokum and sweet seasonal sentimentalities. No, we Christians believe quite concretely. And at this time of the year, you're always reminded quite Counterculturally, in something called the incarnation. Incarnation. I, I want you to 
do something that is very difficult, particularly this time of year, namely to use your brain rather than your stomach or your heart. And I want to think with you about the doctrine of the Incarnation. And I want to think about how weird and absolutely wonderful it is to be part of a faith, the one and only faith, I think, that thinks that God came among us in the flesh as Jesus. That's what all of this obstetrical conversation was in today's gospel between these two women. God is coming in the flesh among us as Jesus. What a thing this is to comprehend. As St. Thomas Aquinas put it, among all the divine works, there is nothing that can be thought quite so high as marvelous as this, that the true God became in Christ the true man. Now why does the world fear that? Why must the world sentimentalize and degrade that affirmation? Well, we say, um, it is hard for a critical, analytical, modern sort of world to believe in something like the virgin birth of Jesus. It is hard to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. But then I think, but we live in a world that believes that my family could be vastly improved or that my life could be made better by receiving this Christmas a used Lexus. <laughs> One would think that the virgin birth wouldn't be that great a reach. And, and perhaps the difficult thing is to believe that God came among us, among people like us. But Harold Bloom, in his book, The American Religion, says that Americans have one vast, widely held, doesn't matter what your religious practices are, belief. And that is, we Americans believe that God adores us as we are and that God is just dying to be tight with us. Bloom says that there are many religions in the world that believe that we have a responsibility to get close to God. But in America, the popular religion is that God has responsibility to get close to us. So the affirmation, Emmanuel, God with us, that is not that difficult. Now, I think the toughest truth in regard to the Incarnation. The reason that the world seems to make this almost studied effort to reduce all of this to some kind of saccharine, innocuous, happy holidays, it isn't the virgin birth, it isn't the affirmation God with us, it's this. The Incarnation says that God Almighty is with us as Jesus. That's hard. It is easier to believe in a miraculous virgin birth than to believe that in Jesus we have seen as much of God as we ever hope to see. 
of all the ways for God to enflesh God's self, God came as a Jewish peasant from Nazareth who was murdered by the authorities, not because of the peculiarity of his birth, but because of the revolutionary quality of his life and his death. Jesus was violently tortured to death, not because he was a baby conceived out of wedlock, but because of what he said and what he did once he grew up. His advent provoked among us a crisis in our settled intellectual, political, religious arrangements. He unmasked the relationship between our cherished notions of what can be and what can't be, our governmental sanctions about who is in charge and who sits on the throne. The shocking thing about the virgin birth was not that God entered our world. We expect God to do that since we are such wonderful folk. It's that God entered our world as Jesus. We like, we like our God to be as vague and spiritual as possible. But incarnation says that God gets specific. God came in the flesh as Jesus. That means that our God has a face and a name and a way of moving in the world. We, that means that we cannot make God mean anything that we please. It means that when we say God, we mean Jesus. And almost from the very beginning, people looked at Jesus and they were offended. When that baby from Bethlehem grew up, when he preached his first sermon in Nazareth, the reaction to his first sermon was not, that was lovely. I think we're in for a rebirth of spirituality in this country. <laughs> no, you remember Luke 4, what they said was, kill him. The offensive thing was not that God became a baby. The shocking thing was that God became the baby who grew up to be Jesus. And so I think particularly at this time of year, it is very important to keep all talk of incarnation close to the word incarnate, Jesus of Nazareth. Because if not, incarnation tends to dribble off into pantheistic slime or to inflate into ethereal sentimentalities about goodness of the world, the sweetness of humanity, and other pagan trash. With God as some kind of vague abstraction, the highest of human ideals and sentiments, well, it's easier to put a leash on God to drag God into our programs and our plans. Now, now here the babe at Bethlehem is a definite revelation of the real ways of the real God in the world. If we could have just kept God spiritual, then we wouldn't have an incarnational problem on our hands named Jesus. Uh, to risk putting it more theologically, uh, 
when you think incarnation, you got to also think at the same time redemption, atonement. When in the contemporary church, Christmas becomes more important than the celebration of Good Friday and Easter in the church's year, we got a problem. Because God's great glory is hanging on a cross rather than lying in a manger. God didn't just become a baby, but God became a baby who, from the very first, all the people in power wanted to get rid of because he was a challenge to the way we think of power in our world. As Paul put it poetically in Philippians 2, Jesus did not exploit his divinity. He took the form of a servant, thus giving us a very peculiar view of God. God is the beaten, humiliated, crucified Christ before God is the little baby Jesus. If you begin with the little baby Jesus rather than with the crucified Christ, if you begin with old little town of Bethlehem before you move to the hill of Golgotha, the tendency is to end up with insufferable, inconsequential sentimentality which is, at least this time of the year, a greater threat to the Christian faith even than Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> it was only after Jesus' followers saw what God would do in Jesus, in wonder at his cross and his resurrection, in amazement that they were able to speak of the wonder of his birth. The cross is our means of making sense of the manger. I'm saying there is a sense in which murderous King Herod may have known more about who the baby Jesus really was than even his mother Mary. Incarnation means this, that when we hear the word God, we have to think Jesus. There's been a tendency of late to, to try to get that word God to be so generic and so large as to mean nothing at all. Test this out. It's very easy off the lips to make a statement like, God bless America. God be with our troops. It's much harder to say, Jesus bless America. Jesus, make us the apple of your eye. Jesus, be with our troops. Lately, along this line, people have taken to saying, uh, well, Jews, uh, Christians, Muslims, we all believe in the same God. We're all trying to follow the same God. No. When Christianity makes a statement like, God Almighty came in the flesh as Jesus of Nazareth, then that really differentiates us, makes us odd. For we have a very different definition of what God looks like and what God demands of us. Incarnation says that the peculiar great glory of God is this, 
It was, it was God's majesty that God had nowhere even to lay his head. It was God's great grandeur that he was rejected because of what he said and what he did among us. It was God's beauty that when we looked upon him in the flesh, he had neither comeliness nor form that we desired him. It was the splendor of God to be a lonely prophet that challenged us and what we believe in. It was the courage that confronted our murderous, warmongering, lying lust and brought out the worst in us as we drove nails through hands and feet. He came to us and became God so close to us, so unavoidably specific, that we had to put him on a cross. We had to say, we won't have our God so close to us, so demandingly near. We will have our God high, lifted up, abstract, if we have to nail him on a cross to get him away from us. And yet, and yet the paradoxical thing is that the people of the Incarnation, we say that here we find all of God that we can handle. Merry Christmas. Nothing less than that. All that we know of God, it's because of Him. We do not say that we have learned it from Him. Rather, we say that we have seen it in Him. We do not say that in Him we have seen a way to God. We say that He is the way. Merry Christmas. And when we celebrate his birth, as we shall do here in this great church in just a few days, we celebrate the day when God became so demandingly manifest, so presently near and annoyingly unavoidable, that we have not, try as we might through all of our yuletide banalities, we have not been able to be done with him because he seems incarnate one that he is. Thanks be to God, not yet ever to be done with us. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and support. Beeson Divinity School is an evangelical, interdenominational divinity school training men and women for service in the Church of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.